0: Any any place, and he'll meet us right where we're at. Amen. Amen. I mean, good to be here tonight. Psalm chapter number 26. Psalms chapter number 26. um, Continue in the Psalms tonight. And uh, we've not been in the Psalms quite some time because of the revival, but that's the good kind of interruption. Amen. And I appreciate what the Lord did in that meeting in my heart and uh, what He's still doing as a result of it. Amen. Psalms chapter number 26. I'll invite you to stand tonight as we read these 12 verses. Psalm 26, look in verse number 1. And if you're there, say amen. 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 Psalm 26, David said, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins in my heart, for thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go to the dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. I will wash mine hands in innocency, so I will compass thine altar, O Lord." that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Gather not my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloody men, in whose hands is mischief, and their right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I will walk in mine integrity. Redeem me and be merciful unto me. My foot standeth in an even place." in the congregations, will I bless the Lord. Thank you for standing with us. You can be seated. Lord, we thank you, God, for the privilege, Lord, and the opportunity, God, to be in your house. Lord, we thank you, God, for the good songs that have been sung. God, we thank you, Lord, for the testimonies, Lord, that have, God, been an encouragement to our heart. Lord, I come uh, with a need tonight, and Lord, you've met that need, and God, I thank You for that. And Lord, I pray, God, now that You'd help us, Lord, as we stand to preach the Word of God. I pray, Lord, that You'd anoint us and help us, Lord. God, if You don't touch us, Lord, nothing of any effect or Lord, be done. But God, I know, Lord, if You get in the midst of it, Lord, You can accomplish, Lord, that which You will. And Lord, I pray, God, that You'd help us, Lord, examine us. And God, may we take spiritual inventory tonight and look in our heart. God, may we draw closer to You as a result. Lord, of the message tonight, we love you. Thank you for allowing us to be here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Psalms chapter number 26 tonight is a psalm of David. David is the author. And in reading behind some men, there is some one thing that they all have in common concerning this psalm. Uh, that none of them know exactly at what point in David's life he wrote this psalm. But we do know this, as we look at these 12 verses tonight, we do know that that David uh, felt the need to vindicate himself. He felt the need to uh, make his case before the Lord, if you will. And as we begin uh, in these verses, we look and we see that 28 times in 12 verses, David makes mention of himself. And if you read this psalm and you look at this psalm, if you read it in the light of what we are as New Testament believers, boy, I fall short of all 12 verses. Amen? And as we look at this, it seems that if David is almost bragging about his self-righteousness or he's bragging about himself and he's uh, talking about all the good things that he's done and what he hasn't done, and it seems like he's bragging. But I want to say this tonight, David is not bragging, but David is boasting tonight. Amen. You say, what is David boasting about? David is boasting about the Lord. Amen. Amen. David is boasting about the possibilities of fulfilling exactly what God desired for him to do in his personal walk with God. You see, in Psalms chapter number 26, we have a glimpse of the personal spiritual life of David. A lot of times in the Psalms, David is praying for God uh, to judge others. But here in in chapter number 26 of Psalms, in verse number 1, David makes his case clear. He said, God, judge me. Look at me. Examine me. Try my reign. So we have uh, a, a, a look into David's personal spiritual life tonight. And you say, why in the world would he reference himself so much? Well, as we look to these verses, we wrote just a few things down about... What David said. Look in verse number one. He said, I have walked. How has he walked tonight? Well, he said, I have walked in integrity. Verse number one goes on to say, I have trusted. Who has he trusted in? He's trusted in the Lord. Verse number 4, he said, I have not sat with who? With vain people. Verse number 5 says this, I have hated the evildoers. Verse number 8 says this, I have loved. I have loved what? I have loved thy house. So when we look at David's life here, in Psalm chapter number 26, David is fulfilling everything that I desire in my own personal life. Amen. The things that I read off there, boy, that is, an, that is a divine aspiration, and that is a good list to fulfill in our life. And you say, why is David able to do that? Well, first of all, he's able to do that because of the grace of God. Amen. You and I can walk with God. We can walk in victory because of what Jesus Christ has done at Calvary. And victory is possible tonight. Amen. And as I began to look at these verses tonight and look at everything that David was saying and David was boasting in the Lord, I thought about this. Boy, David would make a good church member. David has fulfilled everything in his list that I, even myself, desire to do in my walk with God. Now I want to preach on this subject tonight, the profile of a good church member. The profile of a good church member. David opens up these verses, as we already said, and he says, Judge me, O Lord. I don't know about you, but I have never prayed that. I have never just wanted God to just come down to where I was and uh, and vindicate Himself as far as I'm concerned and judge me and look at me. But listen, David was willing to pray that. David was willing to have God examine the very depths and the very inward parts of his heart. Why? Because if anything was unclean, if anything was unusable to God, David wanted that out of his life. David would have made a good church member. Amen. The profile of a good church member. Number one, I see this tonight. The profile of a good church member has to do with this. A divinely open life. David had a divinely open life. Look what he said there again. And we'll look at these verses. Verse number one. He said, judge me, O Lord. He said, For I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord. He said, Therefore I shall not slide. Look what he says in verse number 2. He says, Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. He said, Try my reins and my heart. What David is saying is if God could pull back the curtains of his heart, if he could pull back the blinds of his heart and open up David's heart and David's life and examine him to a T, what is it that God would would find in his heart and his life. David wanted whatever was keeping him away from the Lord and whatever was hindering his relationship with the Lord. Hey, he wanted God to put the spotlight on whatever was standing between him and the Lord so that he could repent of it and get it out of his life. We think about this, he mentions the altar Uh, there again, there in the, in the chapter, he talks about compassing thine altar. In verse number six, you think about this. David lived under the dispensation of the law. David understood what temple sacrifices were. David understood what those offerings were all about. He understood what the altar of incense was. He understood what the brazen altar stood for. He understood what the table of showbread was. But when it came to that altar, David realized that what the high priest would do is he would take that sacrifice... And that high priest would literally take that knife and he would flay that animal open and he would expose the inward parts of that animal and what that priest would do is he would take that light and he would begin to search all the inward parts of that animal. He would look at the entrails. He would look at the heart. He would look at the liver. He would look at all the insides of that sacrifice. Why? To see if it was a perfect sacrifice. Uh, To see if it had any blemish. And if it did, if it had any blemish, if it had any spot if it had any wrinkle if it had any deficiency whatsoever it would be thrown out because they knew that God deserved the best You and I don't come to an altar with sacrifices anymore. You and I don't come before an altar of incense. We don't come before the table of showbread. And we don't allow a priest to take the blood to the mercy seat on our behalf. No, Christ has accomplished every bit of it on the cross of Calvary. And He presented Himself to the Father, holy, blameless, and undefiled. So what is the application tonight? You and I tonight, because of Calvary, because of what Jesus did, you and I, thank God, we can open up the very depths of our heart and we can say, God, judge me. God, examine me tonight. Amen. And allow God to put the searchlight in our heart and be open about it. You know, there have been times in my life, and I see other people do this and you know, sometimes I'm probably guilty of judging people, but you watch their actions and you watch their life, and it's like they never have anything to get right with God about. I wish that I could ascend to where they're at in the Christian life. I wish I never had to come to an altar and pray. I wish I never had to repent. But maybe they're just more spiritual than I am. And maybe they've reached a plateau that I've not reached. But friend of mine, every day when I wake up in this flesh body, I realize it's corrupt, it's wicked, it's foreign from the things of God. And I have to place it under subjection every single day. Paul said in Romans 6, he said, We reckon ourselves dead. You know what that means? Every day we get up and say, God, take the searchlight to my heart. Take the searchlight to the inward parts and see if there be any wicked way in me. Try my heart and try my reins. David wanted to be right with God. David had a divinely open life. If you and I want to be a good Christian, be a good church member, we must have a divinely open, Open life. Be willing to get right with God over the things that He puts His finger on. Have a divinely open life. But then the profile of a good church member pertains to this, a divinely obedient life. Look with me in verse number 3. The Bible says, For thy lovingkindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. You understand that tonight? Read the latter part of the verse. He says, I have walked in thy truth. But why? The answer is in the first part of the verse thy loving kindness. Can I say this tonight? We have a Bible, 66 books. I don't know off the top of my head head how many chapters or how many verses I've got that wrote down somewhere but we have got 66 books that tell us how to live for God how to have victory in our Christian life but here's the kicker to that tonight if all this is to you is just a law you won't be doing it long if all this is is a list of do's and don'ts and the commandments of God are grievous to you and you say, oh, I've got to get up and I've got to put my clothes on, mom and dad want me to go to church again. Oh my goodness, is it Wednesday night already? Oh, we've got to go to church and preacher's gone and we've got to hear Brother Grant preach and all that stuff, you know, how people do. Amen. But I tell you this, what we ought to do is have a divinely obedient life but not because, It ought to not be a law to us. But thank God, our obedience ought to be motivated by love. I'll tell you something tonight. All of us who are married, we understand this. When me and Celeste, we started dating, court, whatever you want to call it. We started liking each other. There were things that I did because I loved her. There are things that a man will do for love that he'll not do for greed that he'll not do for envy, that he'll not do for money, that he'll not do for hatred. Why? Because he loves that individual. He desires to spend the rest of his days with her. You know, you'll go out and spend money you don't have. You'll scrounge up resources that you thought you never had because you've got to impress her and you know she's got to think that you're some super spiritual dude, but then she lives with you a year and then she finds out who you really are. But you take all these resources and you do everything you can to win the love and the affection of that individual. You fall in love, and the day comes where you walk down an aisle together and you make vows to one another because you love each other. And I'm going to say this tonight my marriage vows, they are a law, they are a covenant. But I don't do what I'm supposed to do because I made vows at a marriage altar. That was decided long before I ever made the covenant. Long before I ever made the vows. I fell in love with her and she fell in love with me. And we decided to make a covenant and make a law together based on our love. Because if you just take two people who do not know each other, who do not love each other, put them together and bind them with a law, it will not last. And it's the same way with the Christian life. If you and I are bound by a law and there is no reality and there is no love for Christ in what we're doing, we will not be doing it long. But I want to tell you something, just as you uh, make those vows and you love your spouse and you live your life with them and you stay faithful and you stay true to them, that is not motivated by a law, it is motivated by love. And that's exactly how our walk with the Lord is. Listen, if this is just a law to you, you need to check up. If this is just a list of do's and don'ts with no reality and no power and no fruit and no benefit, then you are not right with God. And obedience must be motivated by love. That's exactly what David was saying tonight. When we see this, we see a divinely open life. And then we see a divinely... Uh, obedient life. May we be constrained by love and not constrained by law. But then we see this because of that obedience. We see a divinely overcoming life. Look what the Bible said in verse number 6. He said, I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go with the dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. He goes on to say, I will wash my hands in innocency, so I will compass thine altar, O Lord. We understand that in the Old Testament times under the dispensation of the law, that individual had to be declared clean before they could ever come into the presence of God. But you and I have been saved. We've been sanctified by the blood. We've been sealed with the Spirit of God. And thank God we've been ushered into the presence of God. And you and I have the positional righteousness of Jesus Christ. And because of obedience... Because of a right relationship with Him. Oh, listen, your, your, your relationship will never change, but how's your fellowship? See, the profile of a good church member is this, that they have a divinely overcoming life. How is that accomplished? Well, it's accomplished by the principle of Separation. He said, I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go with dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. David determined some things in his life. David came to the place where he would draw some lines of separation in his life. I say something to you young people today. Some of you are in the Christian school. Some of you are not. That's not right, wrong or indifferent right now. But listen to me. There are some relationships in your life. It is okay and it is profitable for you to say no to. You cannot be everybody's best friend. You cannot yoke up with everybody. But for the Christian, God desires for us to draw some lines in our life. And, and you can be cordial. You can be nice. But there are just some things that it is right for a Christian to say no to. God honors separation. I don't care what the uh, the uh, contemporary crowd tells you or these uh, fly-by-night pop-up movie theater churches tell you. Hey, separation is still a Bible principle and it's still a Bible mandate. We just want to love everybody and we just want to love everything. Well, you can't love everybody and you can't love everything. Because there are things in this Bible that God hates and there are things in this Bible that God has drawn a line to to sever believers from the world. We see it's through the principle of separation, but then we see it's through the principle of sanctification. Through these verses we see this, that David is separated, but David is sanctified. I'm reminded of what Joshua said In chapter number 2, the children of Israel were coming. They were preparing to cross over the brink of Jordan. And Joshua said this, he said, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I say this, the decisions you make for God today greatly affect your tomorrow. It's a divinely overcoming life. You can live separated from this world. I've got to move on. My time's about gone, but we see the profile of a good church member pertains to a divinely open life. It's a divinely obedient life. It is a divinely overcoming life. But then I see this tonight. It is a divinely overflowing life. Look what he said in verse number 7. He said, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. He said, Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. He said, gather not my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloody men. This is a divinely overflowing life. We see that David is praising the Lord. We see that David is preaching the Lord. And then we see in verse number 8, David is pursuing the Lord. David has an overflowing life. This life that he's living, this clean life, God is rewarding that with abundance. And God is rewarding that and allowing the soul and the very countenance of David to overflow. That's what you and I have tonight. Listen, David lived in the cup age. He said, My cup runneth over. But you and I are not living in the cup age. You and I are living in the river age. Amen. Jesus said there's a wellspring on the inside that bubbles up and springs up to everlasting life. Amen. David was in the cup age. But you know what Jesus did, thank God, in the river age? He took the cup and He blowed out the bottom of it with a double-barrel shotgun. He set it down in the river, amen. And thank God that abundant life flows through the believer. And thank God there is an abundant life for the Christian, amen. I thought about this as I was uh, studying for this message and thinking about this and gathering all the thoughts up for today. Listen, you and I are living off of the abundance, you and I are living off of the overflow. I thought about what the disciples, Jesus taught them to pray. He said, give us this day our daily bread. Can I tell you tonight, I have never had to pray that prayer one time in, in sincerity and in actually needing to, be, to eat, to be fed. God takes care of our needs. And it may be a 99 cent Taco Bell and a Mountain Dew. Hey, but God feeds you for that day. Amen. And every once in a while I get to pull up to the table to a T-bone or a filet mignon or a skewer of shrimp or something. Y'all help me right here. Some of y'all are getting hungry. But thank God tonight you and I are living on the divinely overflowing life. But then I see this. I see the Christian life, the profile of a good church member is a divinely ordered life. Look what David ends with. He said in verse number 12, he said, My foot standeth in an even place in the congregations. Will I bless the Lord? Because David did all of these things, because he was open about who he was before God, because he was obedient to the precepts and the Word of God, because he was overcoming, because his life was overflowing, look what he was able to say. In verse number 12, he said, my, my foot standeth in an even place. In a world that's up and down. In a world that's constantly shifting and constantly changing. David said this, he said, I stand in an even place. You got trouble, David? Sure. I got trouble. You got heartaches, David? You got burdens, David? Anybody ever broke your heart or let you down, David? Hey, sure, but thank God there's one who set my feet on a solid rock. And I'm in an even place when it comes to my position in the Lord. Amen. Though the world changes and though the storm may rage, thank God you and I, as a believer, we have a sure foundation tonight. Amen. David made a good church member, but what about you tonight? What about me? Am I obedient? Am I open? Do I get right when I need to get right? I wanted this tonight while they come with the song. Been real good listeners. Had a good time preaching tonight. But listen, what this boils down to tonight is are you doing what the Lord wants you to do? Are you living like the Lord wants you to live? What about those hidden parts? What about the inward man tonight? Is there something you need to take care of? Oh, be obedient to the Lord tonight. Amen. Let's all stand together while they sing a verse of invitation. Maybe you're here tonight. You need to be obedient to something the Lord has placed His finger on. Maybe something He's told you. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Preacher, I want to live that overcoming life. I want to know what it is to live separated, live sanctified, live Spirit-filled before God. You can come tonight, do business with God, however He speaks to you. Mind the Lord.